Peter, in the concluding words of the first Christian sermon on Pentecost Day, speaks powerful truth. Just as Jesus set the hearts of the Emmaus disciples on fire in the Gospel reading today, Peter sets the hearts of his hearers on fire. He ignites penitence in them by speaking the hard truth. They were on the wrong side of God and everything else. But then he also speaks another truth, even more dramatic and potent. Repent and be baptized. The promise is for them and their children, for people near and far off. God's love is broad, deep, and unimaginably abundant. Hello, this is Pastor John Edding. Thank you for listening to the Sandhills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. This is the second sermon in the sermon series from the book of Acts, called, I See Jesus. Let's get to today's sermon from Acts chapter 2, entitled, True. Will you please pray with me? Dear Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditations of our collective hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, suppose I bring a jar of jelly beans to church and tell you to um, tell you that whoever guesses the number of jelly beans in a jar uh, can have them all. So you have to write down a number on a piece of paper and then give them to me. Now, would it be possible uh, to figure out whose guess comes closest to the actual number of jelly beans? Well, yes, of course it would. Just count the number of jelly beans. The number of jelly beans in a jar is verifiable. But what if I ask you to write down um, the name of the best movie of all times? Well, for me, that would be Peter Jackson's uh, Lord of the Rings. And yes, I, I know it's actually three movies. But for you, it might be, what, Dunkirk or The Wizard of Oz or all of the Star Wars movies. Well, who's to say who's right? Well, here's my point. Is the gospel a jelly bean question or a movie question? Are we talking about verifiable truths or simply matters of preference? A lot of people think that the gospel is a matter of preference, which is why they say, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you're sincere. But the real gospel is a jelly bean question. (laughs) It's not a movie question. The real gospel is verifiable. Fake gospels say that Christianity isn't verifiable. Fake gospels say that Christianity is a feeling. It's just a personal opinion. Fake Gospels say that Christianity has little or no historical foundation. It's just a quiver in my liver. It's uh, an ocean of emotion. No, the, the real Gospel is verifiable, as we shall see. We are in the second sermon in the sermon series on the book of Acts. If we look with eyes of faith, we will see Jesus where... Uh, we will see Jesus. And where will we see him? Well, we will see him in his people. 
So last week we saw his courage in Peter and in all of his people up to the present moment, uh, where in their love, in their fellowship, even in their suffering and their dying. God has called us today uh, in today's reading to, to be the truth for this generation, which Peter calls crooked or wicked. Jesus, who is the truth, lives in us. So as we listen, uh, we are called to, to, di- to today's reading. We are called to listen to his truth, speak his truth, and be his truth in our crooked generation. We are imperfect and sinful, but nevertheless, Jesus, who is the truth, lives in you and me. Now, that truth will get pushback, of course, from, uh, from our generation. Uh, for our generation, the simple idea that God does have standards, that there is a right and wrong, that, that we will be judged and he does hold us accountable for our lives, is a truth which many simply cannot face. Here's another hard truth. This world is, is not going to get better. Uh, this is demonstrably a wicked and crooked generation. They have been wick, wicked and crooked since the fall and Cain's murder of Abel. The worldly solutions to crime and the falling apart dissolution of society won't work. Now, for others, the idea that we cannot fix our societal, our um, social ills with more government, more investment, more education, and so on, is just, again, it's unfathomable to our generation. The idea that this world is indeed going to hell is just unthinkable. But it's it's true. It is a, a, a wicked and perverse generation. We need to be rescued from it. And as we see in our reading, this starts with a baptism in which we are called to to a new life in Christ, a life which marches to his drumbeat and which draws its truth from him. And that uh, brings us to our reading today. And if you have that uh, reading before you, let's take a look at it, because it strikes me from this reading that the first proclamation of Easter which we read in Acts, was not really good news. In fact, it was a declaration of failure and rebellion. The people to whom Peter preached had killed Jesus, but it did not work. Not only did this plot against Jesus fail, but his resurrection was proof that they had worked against God himself. This is... uh, starting with verse 14, which just introduced that this is a part of a sermon, and we're really coming at the end of the sermon. Uh, So pick it up at verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Well, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, the his statement of truth, it cuts to the heart, his hearers. They had killed the righteous one of God. Uh, 
and the Lord and, and, had vind- and, and God had vindicated him by raising him and then condemned them by raising him from the dead. The moment he appeared to him, his presence was an assertion of this fact, that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Here's another truth that Peter brings out. The, the next verse, the people are then asked this question. People ask, what shall we do? Cut to the heart, they're at a loss. The truth is, is that we are helpless. They were helpless, rendered helpless. We are helpless, and that truth hurts our pride. I mean, I'm talking about human pride. And runs counter to the hubris of our fallen human nature. Well, Peter's response in verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter's command to repent is in the second person plural. In other words, you all repent. It, it is the whole faithless people of Israel who are called here, who are called upon to repent. There's no distinction when it comes to this command. It's, it's given for all. And the reference to the crooked generation shows that this command to repent goes far beyond those present listening to Peter. It goes far beyond the crowd. And the book of Acts as a whole will show that the whole world stands under his command or this command. So let's ponder the truth of the gospel in our reading. What shall we do, they asked. Well, Peter's response is is pure gospel. Let me read it again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pure gospel. Jesus' resurrection is not only proof of their rebellion, it is also the gracious word of God's forgiveness of sins. Even that sin. And there is no sin for which Jesus has not died. That's the truth of the resurrection. There is no sin for which Jesus has not died. Yes, they were on the wrong side of God and everything else. But then he speaks another truth, even more dramatic and potent. Repent and be baptized. Receive the forgiveness of sins. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promises for them and their children and for people near and far off. God's love is broad. It's deep and it's unimaginably abundant. This is the truth of the gift which the resurrected Christ gives. So, there we This is important because the resurrection uh, of Jesus is everything. So the resurrection of Jesus is not a movie question. It's not a matter of preference. It's a jelly bean question. The real gospel is verifiable. The real gospel isn't a fable. It's not a legend or a myth. No, the real gospel is objective. Historical fact. 
The real gospel is verifiable. So John, one of the apostles present, Peter was their spokesman that day, but John is also present, and he writes this little letter called 1 John. In his first four verses, he talks about how the real gospel is verifiable. John writes in 1 John 1, verse 2, the life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, three more times in 1 John, verse 1 and 2, uh, John employs, we are us. And remember, John uses we and us and are 14 times in the first four verses of his little letter. And what's up with that? Well, the we and the are and the us announces that the real gospel isn't just John's opinion. No, it's the united testimony of the entire apostolic movement. John says, hey, ask Peter, ask James, ask Matthew, ask Philip, ask Andrew, Paul, and the others. The real gospel is verifiable. And we are called to listen to the truth, speak to the truth, and be the truth, be Jesus' truth in our generation. And we take our cue from Jesus here. Because Jesus had lived out his love for sinners. His confrontations with the Pharisees, his incisive parables, uh, his acts of love and mercy, that Jesus lives in Peter, cutting the sinner to to shreds and raising up a new man or new woman. The weary disciples who sat down to dinner in Emmaus that night, they leaped up. And they were energized by Jesus' words and present that Jesus is here today as well. And we listen to his truth, we speak his truth, and we be his truth. God has called us to be the truth for this uh, wicked generation. Jesus, who is the truth, lives in us. So the call to be the embodiment of truth uh, in your place will not be a simple uh, or straightforward thing, but it is a call which has come to all of us as Christ, who is the truth, has risen from the dead and lives in us. And let Jesus' confrontation with the Emmaus disciples be a guide. I want to call it a gentle confrontation here. Remember what he does with them. He first listens. Then he walks with them. He gets invited in before he reveals the truth to them. So being the truth in this world does not mean beating people over the head. So let me repeat again what Jesus did. Let him be our cue. He first listens. He walks with them. He gets invited in before he reveals the truth to them. The true gospel announces that in the death of Jesus, in the resurrection of Jesus, the sin is forgiven, death is defeated, life is restored forevermore. The true gospel, the true gospel announces that this salvation is, it's a gift. It's a total and complete gift. And it's transformational. That is to say, the true gospel turns darkness into light, 
and sorrow and sadness into gladness and everlasting joy. The true gospel is transformational. During this past year, we played a number of games with the youth group and cornhole and other games, but one of the games that we played is called Real or Fake? Real or Fake? Nine-year-old accidentally discovers cure for cancer. Real or fake, sky over Oklahoma City actually rains cats and dogs. Uh, eating chocolate every day helps you lose weight. I wish. Let me remind you what's really true. The true gospel is incarnational. God is flesh and blood, and he has a heart for you. The real gospel is verifiable. Biblical events are true and authentic. There are eyewitnesses and written records. And the real gospel is transformational. It takes what is sour in life and makes it so very sweet. And this gospel, that's all about Jesus crucified, risen, reigning, and returning, it's yours. It's all yours. And this gospel is forever and ever yours. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.